Hello everybody and welcome to the Anfield Talk Assessment Pod. Uh, this is the second show that we're doing and I've got Luke with me, our analyst. How are you Luke? Uh, I'm alright, thanks. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good as we can be after that uh, after that, that, that woeful display yesterday. So obviously we're going to be reviewing the Chelsea game uh, 1-0 loss, uh, the fifth loss in a row at home uh, for Liverpool. Um, a really... It feels like it's um, Groundhog Day when it comes to Liverpool at the moment, especially at home. Um, it feels like it's the same thing over and over again. The, the opposition get their goal, and then we just we're just unable to score a goal. Um, I think I said this after the Everton game. Once they scored, went one 0 up. I knew how the game was going to end. Once Chelsea went one 0 up today, I think everyone kind of just knew how this game was going to end. Unfortunately. Um, but we're going to get into it a little bit more in terms of you know the nitty gritty and 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 kind of and and one of the things we need to mention Chelsea were very good, uh, were were really good uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit as well in terms of how they kind of set up and uh, why they were so impressive. Um, but Luke, I'm going to start off initially with the you know with the pre-match thoughts, the lineups. Obviously, it's a it's a big game in terms of the top four battle. Um, I think it's a big game in terms of. You know, German coach rivalry, uh, Tuchel versus Klopp, in the sense of you know, uh, Tuchel um, follows Klopp after uh, after him in Mainz, uh, then in Dortmund. Uh, so he's kind of like living in his shadow. Now he's followed him into England as well, um, and there is that kind of you know a bit of um, I would say a competitive rivalry to a certain extent. Um, I, I don't know whether there's any kind of like you know beef or or, or you know ill heart towards each other, but 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 it's a, it's an interesting kind of kind of thing. Um, let, what are your thoughts pre-match and, and in terms of the lineups as well? Um, yeah, I think the Tuchel v Klopp thing is probably one of them things where they probably both hate the kind of indirect rivalry that surrounds them. Like, I don't think there's anything personal between them, but I think for Tuchel it must be annoying that like he couldn't turn Mines down as his first job. He couldn't turn Dortmund down. But then he's always been compared to Klopp, as you say. Mm-hmm. And it's then awkward for Klopp that he's always kind of there's always been this other guy that's been spoke about this Tuchel that's followed him. And then obviously I don't think it helps that I mean the Dortmund and PSG games were both absolutely mental. <laughs> we played mm-hmm. them. But, um, but yeah, I mean it was one of them. I, Obviously, it was good to win against Sheffield United, but I was still quite nervous going into this one just because Chelsea have been so good under Tuchel. Um, mm. Obviously, they've had they dropped points against Southampton and United, but it was one of those where against United, it was a dull game. They didn't play well. They weren't particularly threatening, but they still didn't concede. Still mm. got out of there with a clean sheet, which we've stopped doing when we don't look like scoring. We... we chip a goal now um so that made me you know a bit nervous before the game and that was kind of my overriding feeling really yeah and uh what what did you think of the way that both teams set up i mean for us it's um it's the case of kind of going again with the same formation uh, well the same personnel as it was um at sheffield united what what were your thoughts in terms of the lineup yeah, I wasn't surprised to see the same shape in terms of uh, what we spoke about on the Everton pod when we changed at half time. Mm. Um, we there, it was pretty much that shape. 
Well, obviously, they'd worked on it a bit more by the time of the Sheffield United game. Um, and it's one of them things where the context is you've beaten bottom of the league, but you've got three points in it. So, you know, stick with it, especially in the run that we've been in. So I wasn't surprised. The only disappointment was we spoke last time about, um, about lacking a natural ball-winning defensive midfielder. Mm. Fabinho comes back and Phillips gets injured. So Fabinho has to come in in defence which like people have different opinions on that. But for me personally, I'd like to see him in midfield with, I think that we've, we've seen enough centre-back partnerships now not work. We might as well just put Fabinho in midfield if we can. But obviously, I, um, I can understand why he didn't play there with Phillips being injured. Uh, for Chelsea, it was pretty much as expected. The only one that surprised me was Ziyech starting mm. but I think as I mean we'll go into it but as the game went on I kind of got more of an idea of why Tuchel went with Ziyech from the start um, the other big decision Tuchel had was at, at wing backs Chilwell or Alonso and he went for Chilwell mm. uh, and James or Hudson Adoy which um, I think he was always going to go with James for this game because he needed somebody to defend against Robertson whereas he's picked Hudson Adoy against games like Atletico Madrid, where they've sat on the edge of their own box, mm. you know, or Wolves. So, yeah, two kind of couple of big decisions, but Ziyech was the only kind of surprising one. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I was worried about this game because Chelsea didn't seem to, over the last, since two Chelsea's kind of come in, they don't really concede any goals. Um and we're a team that don't really score any goals at home. So it was, uh, it was a big recipe for disaster. Um, I mean, we start off, it, the game starts off and I think Chelsea are quite are quite good. Um, I think one of the things that you picked up on is the lack of, I guess, it feels like there was a, there's an issue with that press because Chelsea were just playing through it, playing through it. Um, I wanted to get into that. What what were your thoughts on that? What was the issues? Because you know we could see that we're getting played through, but what what was going wrong in terms of the press? Um, yeah, I think it can be quite difficult to press high against a team when they've got obviously three centre backs and then a double pivot in front because they've got five players there, and obviously, um, that, you know, it, numerically that gives them a good number of people around the ball. But where we've we've shown in the past, we, we can still cope with that. My interpretation of it, first half, was that we were trying to guide the ball to Kante when they were trying to pass into midfield. Uh, mm. Firmino was he appeared to be making a real effort to block passes into Jorginho, um, which I kind of got because Jorginho is known for being somebody who can get on the ball, receive in tight spaces and play. Whereas we kind of seemed on a few occasions to try and invite the pass into Kante with Jones pressing him from behind. Um, but Kante dealt with that fine. I don't, I can't off the top of my head remember him losing the ball in a dangerous area once in mm. our first half. Rhys James helped him by staying quite deep and close to him. So Kante had, a, had an out ball out wide um, because Marne was getting. Mane was uh, blocking off the pass from Aspilicueta to James, so he couldn't block off the pass from Kante to James. Mm. Um, so James coming deep made that pass easier for Kante. Um, but obviously it's still up to Kante to 
provide the quality and the, the assuredness, assurance, you know, with the pass that he's making. And I thought he did it well and it, it, it didn't work for us. Um, and they, they managed to play through and then over us on, on too many occasions as a mm. result of it felt like um, it felt like he kind of sacrificed the attacking threat down that right hand side with James, and kind of made that a bit more of a defensive solid side, and they they very much kind of um, targeted uh, our right back kind of position with the uh, with Werner and Mount. Um, do you think that that was kind of the game plan? Obviously, going long with Fabinho there, exploiting the pace on that side. It was, I mean. It's it seemed like a simple idea, but but it was they were very effective. Yeah, yeah, I think that was definitely it. They they were happy to draw us in on their right, our left, as we spoke about with Kante maybe passing to James or something like that, and then bringing us forward that high line even further forward to then try and ping over to the other side, um, which I guess it probably explains why Ziek was also picked because he is somebody we've seen in mainly for Ajax but he can do it who can play them good switches of play over to to the left hand side um we didn't see it last night we didn't need to because like I said Kante pretty much fine on his own um mm. and yeah I think um yeah it was definitely I mean Werner is natural kind of in that inside left position getting in between Trent who's not defending great at the moment. Definitely didn't last night. And obviously Fabinho coming back from injury. That was definitely the game plan. Draw us in. Switches a play between Trent and Fabinho and we just didn't cope. Yeah. It, it did feel like Fabinho wasn't... This wasn't fit. Um, he seemed very slow um, and stuff. I mean, I mean, we're going to kind of go into, I guess, in terms of, you know, they, they get the... They get the... Like Liverpool get a, a kind of warning shot uh, with the first offside goal, um, for some reason, where I, I don't know, I've, I've said it in terms of this high line. I, I don't think it helps our defenders, especially when there's no pace. Um, you know, Fabinho is not the quickest. Kabak isn't the quickest. Um, one of the things, the conversation that people are having is why isn't Klopp adapting the team in the sense of if you're going to play slow defenders, why is he not putting the high line? You know, ten yards back. 12 yards back, whatever it is. Um, I wanted to go into that a little bit. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I understood why the high line stayed where it was when it was Henderson and Fabinho because we had that's two natural midfielders who would be comfier higher up mm. than on the edge of their own box, for example, because they're used to being in that area of the pitch and, and stepping forward to win balls. I, my guess with it is that we. I know Kabak's only on loan with an option to buy, but I guess that he he must be being seen as a medium or long-term option anyway, and we're just getting him into this high line, ready to play it with a Van Dijk or a Gomez or a Matip going forward, because he looks to me as somebody who would much prefer to be just engaging in a physical battle a bit close to the goal, the direct ball, I think Davis coming from the championship probably would as well, which is probably why we haven't seen him yet in addition to the injuries. And obviously with Phillips as well, he's coped with every target man he's played against near enough. Um, so my guess is that we've kept at it because it's basically like 
so that we don't have to retrain Car back into a high line again next season. Um, because I think it's clear, like the evidence was there last night, it, it isn't working for now. So I think it's for just for the for the future, basically. Yeah. And just in terms of the goal, um, you know, it's it's obviously coming. I think it's well deserved. I think the warning signs are all there, everything. Um, but I mean, we have to kind of give some praise, especially to Mount, who kind of who does really well. He he gets onto that that side. He exploits it. He exploits Fabinho. Um, Trent isn't the best. Fabinho isn't the best, to be honest. I mean, the one thing that you don't want them to do is 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 let let him get onto his his uh, his stronger foot. Uh, what were your thoughts of the goal? Yeah, I, like you say, Mount does well, and he's a very good footballer. Like he gets a, a lot of stick from people who compare him like to Greece or whatever. But I I really rate him highly, um, and it was a very good goal. Um, in terms of from his perspective, he was helped, like say, from the defending. In terms of like Fabinho, clearly wasn't sharp. I didn't see it, but I don't, apparently Klopp like, alluded to the fact that he maybe he'd come back a bit early out of necessity or something. Yeah, it uh, sounds like he's been rushed in because Phillips was injured. Uh, yeah. Um, I which don't know is what's happened with Davies. <laughs> yeah. um, which, which is one of them where obviously, so you can't, you can't really criticise Fabinho for that because he's just been, he's just been put in and, and it's one of them, the coaching staff have obviously felt their hand was forced and they had to do it. I, I was disappointed with Trent and his covering of Fabinho because he drops deep, almost mm. anticipating an overlapping run. Um, when Chilwell's not there, there's nobody else. Werner's not on the outside of Mount. Um, so Trent should have stepped up in anticipation of Mount cutting in like he did. And Trent dropping back gives Mount that extra bit of space to get the ball out of his feet and shoot. Um and that that was the kind of the disappointing part of the goal for me, because it was that extra half yard that meant Mount could get the shot off. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think with that as well, I think um, just in general, in terms of I guess going into Chelsea and and how they kind of played, and and I think one of the other things that we wanted to talk about was um, Curtis Jones's role in that first half um, and how kind of Kante reacted to how he was playing and, and what your thoughts around that was? Um, yeah, so Jones is, we've seen it a few times now where he he's obviously an intelligent footballer and he, he kind of, his movement is used or his role is used to help himself, but also to kind of create space for others um, or kind of be a, a foil for some others. So, um we saw it for a few, a few times where he was pushing forward onto Chelsea's back line. So he had a bit more balance if Mane dropped deep. Um, there was a few times where if Robertson was deeper than we wanted him when we won the ball, um, Jones would push up higher into that kind of left wing, left wing back space and create an option. Um, and then thirdly, uh, to kind of negate or try and make their high pressing a bit more difficult. He sometimes moved to the left, almost in line with Vinaldo and Thiago, but wide left of them, um, creating a line of three then with the line of three that was in front of him, which was Trent 
uh, Fabinho and Kabak. Then we had a three of Thiago, Genie, and Jones, which was that made it a bit harder for Chelsea's front three and the two midfielders support them to kind of cover all those options. Um, but that's where Kante comes in in terms of his energy to if Jones mm. dropped wide, he'd cover out wide, he'd get back inside. It was the type of role we've seen Kante do. Uh, you know, for France, for Leicester, for Chelsea, countless times. Um, mm. And he just did it very well. Um, I mean, I take it as a positive going forward in that Jones is obviously very flexible. He's got a good appreciation of space on the pitch. Yeah. He wasn't helped by some of the performances around him. Um, and he's not going to come up against N'Golo Kante every week. So, yeah. you, you, You're talking about one of the, the best midfielders in the league. Um, even though people are talking about his his form and stuff like that, but Kante is, is still up there in that regard. I mean, with Kante as well, I always feel like having him in the team, it's kind of like you, ha- you have two midfielders because of how much space he can just cover. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, he's a defensive midfielder. I, I don't see him as that. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I feel like he's, he's more kind of box-to-box um, in that sense. What do you think? Yeah, I... I, I completely get where you're coming from because I remember when Sari was at Chelsea and everyone was slaughtering him for not playing Kante as a six for mm. playing Georgina there and he had Kante in front of him. I'm thinking, well, yeah, of course he's doing that because Kante's got the energy to get up and down a pitch, support mm. strike and cover his winger and, and Jorginho's, that's not him. Um, and I think Kante definitely gets um, pigeonholed unfairly sometimes. Um, and he hasn't been consistently great this season. I think there's, I think he's had some health problems or something. I remember mm. him not initially coming back when you know from the pandemic. Um, but on his day, like his skill set is still all there, and we saw it last night. Yeah, definitely. I think it, I think he made it very very difficult in the middle of the park. Um, what did you think of? Uh, Thiago and Wijnaldum's performances because a lot there's a lot of criticism for Thiago at the moment I think we spoke a little bit about it in the last pod um, but what were your thoughts? I thought Thiago had a he had a very positive spell about five or ten minutes in the first half where he was trying to force the issue a bit uh, may help us progress play better um, but other than that it wasn't it wasn't his best game to be fair um with this box system he's still having to press in wide areas at, at certain times mm. and he's still he just clearly doesn't enjoy that um and i think that's the bit that is different to what he's had to do before um and i think until we get a natural ball winner in there next to him i think that issue's going to will 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 always be there because it's just not it's not his game um, Vinaldum, I thought, did better than he's done in a few games recently. Um, but for me, he's he's played far too much football. Like everything is, um, everything's a little bit too slow at the moment because the guy's just like clearly shattered. Yeah. Um, and he's always the one that plays ninety minutes. And for me, I, I think he, he he he. I mean, we've said about loads of players, but Vinaldum needs a break because yeah. We need him to do what he can do at his best 
and if we're going to get anything out of this season and he's not going to do it playing every minute of every game. Yeah, this is why like players like Keita coming back, Ox getting fitness, the midfielders really need to start rotating a bit. And with Van Alden, the issue is I don't think anybody can do his role um, or Klopp doesn't trust anybody else to do his role and he's played every minute. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's 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 missed a game or anything like that. He's actually been the mainstay in the team in that regards. Um so I, I think the criticism that's been that you know we have our normal pod, we have a lot of criticism for one album. I always say to them, look, this guy's played, you know, all of the games. Um we have to kind of appreciate that and he's shattered. The guy's absolutely shattered. He needs to be ro- rotated a little bit. Um Moving on to the second half, um, obviously Liverpool come back out, they're a bit more energised. I think we saw this similar in, in the Everton game, where they kind of huff and puff, but nothing really happens. Um, just a bit of more energy, getting in a bit more. Um, we, we start to play a bit better. And I think um, Chelsea kind of create this uh, defensive shape to kind of combat that. Um, and Mount is, is quite... Um, quite significant to that. Did you want to go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so for me, they seem to almost, that. I mean, Mount, again, using his intelligence, kind of became more of a hybrid role. So sometimes he was one of the two tens behind a striker, but sometimes when they were defending, he almost became like a left centre midfielder in a three. Um, primarily at first, he was blocking off Passes to Trent, who obviously in this slightly different role is a bit more narrower and um, a bit more in front of the centre-backs in a kind of inside-right position. And he was really stopping passes into Trent um, after the subs were made, which obviously we'll talk about. But he was then, there was a period he was blocking passes into Firmino when Firmino was shifting to the right. So there, Chelsea's shape defensively kind of uh, hinged on where he was. And his ability to press into wide areas, to press forward if Trent tried to drop and get away from him. Um, and he did it really well. In addition to the goal and everything he scored like off the ball, he was he was really good last night. And obviously, like we spoke about Kante, the other side, Kante could push out and press on the right if they needed to. And um, Ziyech and later Pulisic, when he came on, could stay a bit higher with Werner because Kante could cover them out there. Um, so yeah, it was that changed to almost a three-five-two uh, rather than a three in the box for them that um, kind of began to nullify us again and give them some yeah. comfort in the game. And they they still played well. Like um, I, I mean, I think obviously they've got the lead, they've got something to hold on to, but I still I still think they create the better chances, um, you know, than, than Liverpool, and and they kind of really. They really pick their moments in their game plan where they where they just pass it through. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but I don't think I've been more impressed with the side that's been at Anfield that played through our press. Um, I, I I think they had a real arrogance about the way they did it, a real confidence about the way they did it. Um, and for some reason, we were just unable to kind of like like cause them any issues. I I don't think we we broke made them break sweat. And that's it's a bit scary because. Charles only been there for um, he's only been there for a month or so. It's been six weeks, I think, and he's already been able to implement this. Um, and they have an amazing squad. 
um, and they will improve in the summer as well. He'll he'll be backed, especially if they get top four, which they look good for. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll win the Champions League, but I think they. I mean, they look like they'll get past Atleti, and if mm. the draw is kind to them, I think they could go quite deep in it. Like I said, I don't think they'll win it because I think they'll be like a Bayern or a City will be better in a ninety-minute game, or you know, or the latter stages over two legs. But with a good draw, they could they, they could go far, and I think they'll definitely get top four the way they're going because they're just they're so well-rounded, which as you just said helps with the fact they've got a squad that can do so many different things. Like people like Hudson Odoi didn't need to see him last night, Giroud, Abraham, like they didn't need to use him, which they would be an absolute luxury for us at the moment. Um mm. but like they're so solid and then playing with the three centre backs with the two in front of them. And that two can be Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, whoever They've got different profiles of attacking play, uh, midfield players, different types of strikers. Um, like they're, they're they're a really solid team, and like you say, a couple of decent additions in the summer, hmm. and they've got rid of some of the dead wood that they've got. Uh, where we're looking at somebody who, as long as Tuchel kind of stays on good terms with the players he needs to, which is always the big issue yeah. at Chelsea, I think we're looking at someone that could challenge. Yeah, and I think that is a point. You know, it could be you know new manager bands, but there's been a lot of there's a lot of work there. Like the Atletico result, you can't really um, you can't argue against. There's the this Anfield one, which is quite strong. Their their defensive record is, is strong. Those are things that look for you can look at in terms of long term kind of gains for them. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, coming back to Liverpool, um, one of I guess one of the biggest talking points. Um, yesterday were the substitutions, um, which we need to kind of get into because I need I need someone to, or I think our listeners need someone to explain why, why the why the our our only forward who is in form, our highest goal scorer, um, you know, our most creative player, I would say, um, is taken off when we need a goal. Um, we're talking about the substitutions, Salah going. Off, um, I mean, Jones goes off as well, which is another kind of, you know, strange thing because he he was playing quite well. Um, obviously, Jota coming on, I think everybody agrees with that. But then Chamberlain comes on instead of Keita. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'll start with the Jones one because that's a bit not. It wasn't easy, but it's easier than the Salah one. So I think. For me, maybe it's a fatigue thing or something with Jones. I don't know. But for me, I can see why he wanted to bring either Oxlade-Chamberlain or Cater on. Obviously, I think his reasoning was that Oxlade-Chamberlain's done well in training, which obviously we don't know about. But for me, that sub would have been... I didn't think Firmino had a good game. So it would have been Jones as the kind of right-sided number 10 where Firmino was. And I'd have brought Oxlade-Chamberlain if he was going to come on as where he did, but it would have been for Firmino with Jones moving across for me. Um, I because the role kind of pretty much stayed the same. Oxlade Chamberlain was coming into the same positions inside left, trying to drive forward with the ball. Um, so I, I didn't, you know, that I, I, mine would have been for, for Firmino in that respect. Salah's a weird one because first half, I th- 
obviously in that wide role he's in where it's kind of asymmetrical up front and that Mane staying really quite central but Salah's staying the wide starting position and it it's one of them where he plays that wonderful pass through to Mane in the first half and if Mane scores that and we go in okay we're doing one all but we go in one all we say okay we've conceded a bad goal but at least attacking wise this new shape's got a goal against uh, you know a good team and it's a good goal um, and there was another one as well uh, where Salah created a chance from that wide starting position but then I yes, think for Jones I think yeah yeah um, so initially it, it's one of them fine margins it would have worked if one of them chances have been taken but then once the um once the supply out to him out there kind of dried up a bit and he became a bit isolated i think he's he got a bit fed up and started to move more central mm. which i don't know if that was against instruction or whatever or maybe that's why but for me um i would have still found a solution to that problem of that we couldn't get passes out to the right I'd have found another solution to it. Like, I mean, there was one chance, I think even Martin Tyler said it, where Trent got the ball and he's like, um, oh, there's no one outside of him because Salah's gone inside, which, okay, it may be in that moment is annoying, but he's scored however many goals this season, despite mm-hmm. the fact that we're playing how we are. Um, so I, I, you know, speaking as an outsider, to obviously outside the group and outside the club, I would have liked to have seen somebody else take that role on the right with Salah moving central. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we don't know if something else has happened or whatever. But yeah, for me, it's a, it's a difficult one to kind of yeah. explain I think, off. I think one of the journalists mentions that, um, you know, when that substitution is happening, there was a point where Salah's um, Klopp's having a go at Salah for not tracking back, um, and then they kind of make that decision from there. They have the conversation, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think the thing is, I think I do think that Trent was quite exposed on that right hand side quite often. It did happen a lot yesterday. I think they aimed for it, and for some reason, nobody thought that Trent needs a bit of protection there because of the way that they were uh, aiming for that kind of area. So if he was going to, you know, he brings Mane to the right, which I think is a good idea. There's a couple of reasons why that's a good idea. It's because it helps protect Trent a bit more because Mane is really good with the tracking back, all of that kind of stuff. I think on the other side of things, it might help Mane a little bit just to be on a different side of the pitch. But what I don't get is why is Salah taken off? Why is he not put up front with Jota on the left and Firmino going off? Because Firmino was, I mean, Firmino and Mane were absolutely terrible yesterday absolute i've never seen them it was like a standoff between who could be the worst player on the pitch and stuff so so that's it did a, I, I don't i don't think it made sense that he did it that way like i understand Mane going to the right but i don't understand that if salah's not getting any space in the on the right why didn't he just move to the middle and he's your he's your guy who scores the goals so it, it makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be what I'm. What, what you said there, then it might have just been the tracking back issue because um, we've seen it in the past where sometimes if Klopp asks, a, kind of demands a player to start doing something and they don't do it, and then mm. like it's happened. Like, I mean, in terms of a big game example, I yeah, I think 
I just remember in the Champions League final where Vinaldum gave the ball away sloppy for about 60 minutes, then he was hooked. He was off, mm. which, um, so it's one of them as a manager, like, I suppose you've got standards and nobody's above them standards. Yeah. Um, so maybe that, that might be why yeah. that happened. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, still, it's frustrating for us. <laughs> yeah. Just going into it a bit more, I guess, I think it feels like there's a lot of things that are happening right now that are more to do with the bigger picture rather than the game in hand, like like the game, like like yesterday, we needed to win that game. But he takes off Salah because he's thinking bigger picture. This is how we work. If we don't do this, then, you know, I don't care who you are, you're coming off. And that's what's led to the success of the past three years. But if he if he abandons those principles now, that can have an effect in the future. Do you think that that's the, you know, the whole philosophy kind of thing? You're not, you know, dealing with it on a game-to-game basis. He's dealing with it a bigger picture. Yeah, I think you're right because it's one of those things where even though Salah is the, the marquee player, and, you know, especially from an attacking sense, it's one of them where if, a, if he can get away with something and another player's going to... Th- Thing, why can't I? Just because he's chipping the goals, we're we're all part of the same squad type thing. So, um, yeah, that that's that's probably what he's thinking about. Because you can't, as a coach like that, you can't really abandon your principles. Once you've once you've done it once, that's it. Once is too many times. You know, like saying um, like that I like tonight is that your culture within your group whether it's a football team or a business or whatever your culture is defined by the worst thing you're prepared to accept mm. so i'll say this is the worst thing but all of a sudden if cop accepts somebody not tracking back that's looked mm. at as an acceptable thing to do mm. means you got to stamp that when it happens so um yeah that would probably explain it like you say yeah it was uh it was something not anybody, nobody was happy about. So, uh, but we, we we've tried to give you some sort of explanation as to why Salah was taken off. Um, uh, obviously, only Klopp knows why, uh, but um, but I doubt he's going to let anybody know. Um, just moving on to some of the other substitutions, I guess, and just the thinking behind it. Um, obviously, I think it was eighty-five minutes. I think uh, Thiago goes off, James Milner comes on. Um, actually, it might have been a bit earlier than that. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what the thinking is behind this one either. Um, when you're chasing a game, I don't know, like, you know, you have Keita on the bench, you have Origi, you know, and say what you want about Origi. He can always create a moment. He can always have a Everton kind of moment, you know. Um, what do you think was the thinking behind that? It was a weird one because, like I've said, Tiago wasn't pressing well in wide areas. And the more we were kind of then trying to, even though we didn't end up creating anything, the more we were trying to create some more attacking situations later on, the more he was having to go out and press in wide areas and cover more people. Uh, and he was uh, evidently uncomfortable doing it. So just looking at that on the surface, you can say, okay, well, Milner's, that's, that's Milner's bread and butter. That's what he does. It's mm. what was a key part of our champ- runs to Champions League finals was him covering either Mane or Salah in a wide area. Um, but I mean, so I think Klopp was maybe doing 
had that reasoning and then was backing that the attacking players that were on there would still create something. Mm. Um, which obviously didn't happen. I mean, it's one of them where unless Cater's being trained for some specific role, and that's why we're, we haven't seen him and his, his comebacks being managed in the way it has, I think he's capable of coming on and doing what Milner was asked to do, plus maybe driving forward a bit. Um, so, but I, I can't think of any other reasoning behind it other than the pressing him and covering in wide areas that Milner was more adept at. I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I mean, with all of this, all of the subs, even even the Salah one, I think, you know, I don't think Salah was having, you know, the greatest game ever or anything like that. Like, uh, I don't think any of the front three were were great. Obviously, Salah was was just a bit better. He was just better than the others. He wasn't bad, I guess. Um, so it's not like, it's not like there's, um, you know, some sort of, you know, easy solution to all of these issues or anything like that. Even with you know, Thiago coming off and Milner coming on and, and these kind of things. I think there's there's still a lot to kind of go into in that regards um, and stuff. I mean, I wanted to get into a little conversation with you about, I guess, um, you know, looking forward from this in terms of, you know, we've we've seen the same, the same game over and over and over again. Um, I know it's a very difficult question to ask, but what's the solution i mean what is the like how 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 do we get out of this how how do we get some more results how do we pick up the points because i mean top 4 looks unlikely it's not impossible but it's like it's not possible when you're playing like this basically so something has to change yeah it's 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 funny cuz like i mean I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to to go to quite a few games in non-COVID times, which obviously mm. I don't take for granted at all. But I was having a joke with someone about how like the last European game I went to, obviously, was the Atletico game. Even though we lost, going there to watch the champions of Europe defend their title, and post-COVID, we've all got this, you know, vaccine or we're allowed back. Could be a uh, first European game back. Could be in a competition that. Didn't exist. That could be this year, <laughs> yeah, this conference league. <laughs> yeah, which is mad. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, the first thing still is getting a natural ball-winning centre midfielder, which obviously with Henderson's injury is going to be Fabinho again. I'm into their actual position, um, and I really, really want to see that against Leipzig. Um, if it means resting Fabinho entirely against Fulham, then so be it. Mm. Uh, because, like you say, top four now is an outside chance, whereas Champions League is also an outside chance because we're not in good form at all. But as long mm-hmm. as you're in the hunt, you, you can have a go and you can beat anybody over two games, you know, and then see what happens in a final. Um, so for me, the first thing is Fabinho in his proper position. I think he can play as a single six or in this double pivot that we're starting to see. And he can be world class in either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- for me. One of Cater or Oxley chamberlain needs to get up to speed and needs to be in the team. Um, whichever one that is will depend on who's recovered from their injuries the best, I suppose. Um, mm. I think I think they both suit that left-sided attacking midfield role that Jones was in in, in the box mm. uh, in the box midfield. I think they both suit that role when they're firing. They can both run with the ball. They can both drift wide and then dribble inwards with the ball. 
they can shoot, they can find try and find a pass. So for me, I would love to see Fabinho in his natural position and one of Cater Oxley Chamberlain there. And I would just move Jones over to the right side of the attacking midfield. Um and fingers crossed Salah and uh, you know, is there's no there's no big issue there and he does whatever he needs to do to not get subbed off on 62 minutes again. Other yeah. than that, there's not a lot we can do because the injuries that are there still exist. I think if Marnie keeps playing the way he is, I think he needs... It's not... not he's, he's a, I still really rate Marnie. He's just in a bad spell. If he still looks like he's in that bad spell after Fulham and all that, let's give Jota a game because the form he was in pre-injury was excellent. Mm. Um and that, that's all we can do at the moment until yeah. the summer. I think the problem at the moment is that there's two players that that are really bad and you kind of need to get them out of the team just for a bit. And we only have Jota coming back, which you know can potentially... I think Jota works best on the left, but he can play up top as well, I guess. Um, so you can do a bit of rotation, like you know, you know, Jota can play on the left, or maybe against Fulham, take Mane out. Maybe against RB Leipzig, you put Jota up top, you know, take Bobby out. Kind of thing that could work. Um, I think just a bit of freshening it up a little bit, and not just that having, having, having a weapon on the bench is good as well. And stuff. Obviously, Jota coming on yesterday, he's still trying to get up to speed with things. But we did look a bit better with him on the pitch, and he looked sharp. So I mean, and key players kind of coming back a little bit. Kate coming back. So hopefully, you can rotate that midfield. Not just about the shape. I think it's it's the rotation and getting a bit more energy in there. I mean, Kate. Cater for me is probably one of our best pressers uh, when it comes to being in that midfield. It's kind of like having two midfielders that can press because of the way that he does it. Uh, his energy is is mad. It's kind of like it's very a bit similar to Kante in that sense because you just he covers so much ground, um, and the creativity we get from Cater being there that can help a lot. And Fabinho in midfield, uh, just I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I think. It's it's just time. I just I don't know. Like I, I don't know why we bought these defenders. If it isn't the case that we can't bring Fabinho in midfield, um, but unfortunately, I do think that it's going to be the case that Fabinho will be playing centre back. I just can't see him going into the middle because every time there's been a chance to do that, Klopp hasn't done it, and there's a reason why he's not done it. He just doesn't trust there to not be a Henderson or a Fabinho at the back. Um, I just don't think that's the case, um, but. We shall see. Um, thank you, Luke. It's been a it's been a really good review. It's been a depressing one, but I think it's good to kind of go through these things. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. Uh, our the Anfield Talk listeners, this is you know our second show of the assessment pod. Please do give us your feedback. Um, drop us a DM, uh, tweet us. Um, let us know what your thoughts are. If you like the format, or if there's any way that we can change it up. We would really appreciate it. Um, I want to say thank you to Luke, who does a lot of work with this, you know, analysing the games and giving you that kind of insight, tactical insight, you know, approach insight, all of that kind of analysis um, that we've kind of gone through. And we hopefully will be back maybe after the RB Leipzig game, I'm guessing. It'll be the next one that we'll do. Um, big game for Liverpool. Let's hope that we can turn this around. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. And keep 